Uh, well, welcome to the Center Church where Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, we're going to start with a testimony this morning or a, uh, a word from God that Steve Burnett has received. And so Steve, can you pop up here please? Can he have a microphone please guys? Oh, just grab the mic. his message and his anointing through this service and when I share this message which which has been done quite independently of what's happened here this morning, you just see how amazing God is, how he just the way he works through everything so I'm stepping out in faith this morning by sharing a word which the Lord gave me recently um, concerning our worship group a month ago during praise and worship Takup was leading um Sorry, she was singing a song, but it was more melodious, more powerful and clearer than I'd ever heard before. It seemed like an extra dose of anointing had fallen on Taka, which had moved her into a new place of joy, power and confidence with her singing. As I watched Taka sing, the Lord asked me, can you see the angels around Taka? I replied, no, I can't see them. The Lord said, well, they're there. Can you hear them? They're helping Taka sing. I replied, yes, I can hear the angels singing. Then last Sunday the Lord showed me that he had anointed the worship group of this church from its very beginning. This, is conf- this confirmed something I had suspected for a long time and it was further confirmed by a recent discussion I'd had with Richard. It's as if the Lord had entered into a covenant with the church from its very inception, guaranteeing that for as long as there were people in the church he would supply top quality worship groups. I have long understood that with anointing comes responsibility. In the case of the worship group, there is a responsibility on each member to use his or her gifting and anointing for the furtherance of the kingdom. Here the Lord reminded me of the Great Commission as set out in Matthew 28, 18 to 19. Then Jesus came to them, that is the disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Lord showed me a picture of an arrow, where the worship group was a spearhead reaching into the community, taking the word of God into the community in the form of song. He showed me a flat deck truck at a shopping centre, complete with musical instruments and amps and speakers and wires, and the worship group was playing and singing. It was attracting lots of people, especially those who tried everything else the world has to offer, but who had ultimately come up short. They were people who had looked for a perfect peace, perfect joy and perfect love in all the wrong places. The composition of our worship group changes from time to time. It's not the same now as it was two years ago, And it won't be the same as it is now in two years' time. The Lord showed me that the worship group is running a type of relay race where the baton is the gifting and anointing which each worship group member carries and which must be passed on to those who follow. Matt and Cheyenne are a good example of this. When Cheyenne first started in worship, 
in the worship group. Mm, yes, Matt had her tucked firmly under his arm or wing. Matt was like a big eagle, and he had shining under here as a little fledging, with poking her head out every now and then, but ultimately... Um, with time and experience, Cheyenne assumed more and more responsibility to the point where she now confidently leads songs. In terms of Isaiah 40.31, Cheyenne soars on, on wings like eagles. And that's also reflected in the first song we sang today about higher ground, you guys, the whole worship group, higher ground. Um, yeah, Matt has facilitated this. He has passed on a baton. At the end of each section of the relay race, each member of the worship group will be able to declare what Paul declares to Timothy about his ministry in 2 Timothy 4.7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And um, I didn't know this until about 20 minutes ago when Matt told me, but this is the first time that Cheyenne and Mason have actually um, led jointly um, today, and there was like a special prayer for them before the... Um, service started. So that's, I think that's really amazing. I think we should give them a, a round of applause, really, for doing that. So, yeah. Just take the mic down there, please. What an awesome word, uh, Steve. And you can see it playing out in this church. You can see from its inception that, that this church has always had an incredibly strong worship team, an incredibly strong creative arm. And there has been a baton handed down and handed down and handed down. We're never without worship leaders whose hearts are for Jesus in this house. And so we're very, very blessed. And this morning uh, we prayed for Cheyenne and Mason. It was Mason's first time leading uh, praise. And... um, We stood around and we just prayed for them and we imparted every bit of worship leading, anointing that we had and there was over 100 years of experience standing on the stage uh, amongst like five people. I think me and Darcy chucked in 10 years each. Rich had like 30 years. But um, that's a lot of time serving God and serving Him with your gift unselfishly. And so it was an amazing moment for us and and they did amazing this morning as well. So I'm very proud of, of those guys. And uh, I'm very, we're very fortunate to have a team that has been passed down from an incredible music director to an incredible music director to an incredible music director. It's been well stewarded all the way through the 35 years that this church has been uh, standing. So we're very, we're very, very fortunate. Um, I started preparing this message. We are, we are uh, drawing from the book of Acts. Started preparing this message about two or three weeks ago. Um, and it was organized and it was structured and it was practiced and God told me yesterday that it wasn't for today. <laughs> um, and I've never had that before. The, pr- the people who preach will understand that on the last couple of days you kind of come up against a bit of a brick wall. But this was more than that. This was God reminding me that he's in control of what happens in this church. That he's in control of every faithful believer and every faithful church. That he decides what gets said. He decides what reaches you. He decides the people that are going to be in this room. In the room of every church on the Carpety Coast and throughout this nation, God is in control. 
And so uh, I'm going to share what's on my heart. So you're going to have to excuse me if I get off track a little bit. Um, and we're going to start in prayer. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. We're going to pray that the Holy Spirit leads us, leads me to say what needs to be said and leads you to have your hearts open to receive whatever he wants you to receive this morning. And so we're all going to pray together. Um, just lift up your voices to God and just pray that you would hear a word in season this morning. Father, we just thank you, Lord God. Father, we thank you that you are the God that created this universe. You are the God that created each and every person in this room. You are the God that founded the church. You are the author of our salvation. Father, that our steps are ordered by you. Father, I just ask that you take control of this meeting right now. Father, you speak through me what people need to hear, including myself. Father, we're relying on the Holy Spirit this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being present this morning. I thank you that you continually fill this place to overflowing. Father, I thank you for an atmosphere of God in this place. I thank you for a tangible atmosphere of God in this house, Lord God. I thank you that every heart is expectant and excited to be here and hear something from you, Lord God. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. We all said? Amen. Well, God has been placing something on my heart, and in particular today, it is the day of Pentecost. Who knows it's the day of Pentecost? <laughs> I was watching that front row for hands. You better put your hands up. <laughs> Today is the day of Pentecost. It's the seventh Sunday from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is. The day of Pentecost was a Jewish festival that celebrated the end of the harvest of barley and the beginning of the planting of the wheat. And it's significant because on this day, just over 2,000 years ago, the modern church was planted. The early church was planted. The church we live in today began, the church of Jesus Christ. And the church, as James said, it was founded on the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. It was founded on his sacrifice. It was founded on a ministry that lasted 30, uh, three years on this earth. Jesus walked this earth for 33 years. Spent 30 years equipping for the mission. At the age of 12, he was already teaching in the temples. He was different to everybody else. Waiting for the appointed time. And when the time was perfect, Jesus began to share that he was, in fact, the Son of God. He was the coming of Christ. The author of our salvation. And in the final 18 months of his life, he spent it discipling 12 men, the disciples. He spent only eight months with those men, discipling them, mentoring them, teaching them, guiding them and correcting them. That was the beginning of the church. And at the beginning of Acts, it says that after Jesus had been resurrected, he spoke to the disciples and he told them that one was coming, a helper was coming, that his father was going to send and they were going to have power and gifts that they were going to receive the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the Holy Spirit that transforms lives through the name of Jesus Christ. And only a couple of days later, they ended up in the upper room. It wasn't a Bible study. It wasn't a prayer meeting. There was no appointed time. 
It wasn't organised by man, it was organised by God. But they showed up expectant. They showed up expecting to receive a gift that they'd never seen, they didn't know what it was going to look like, they just knew that it was the power of God. These 12 men that had spent 18 months walking with Jesus Christ, hearing his wisdom, seeing him confound the Pharisees, seeing him perform signs, wonders and miracles, seeing amazing healings. They had witnessed all of this. And now the power of God, the Holy Spirit, was coming for them. Praise God. You can only imagine how excited and expectant the people in that room were. 120 in total. So I'm guessing 12 disciples and around 108 others in that room. It says that they were praying with supplication. In other words, they were praying with urgency. Praying fervently to receive the Holy Spirit. And so on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell in that room and he came like a mighty rushing wind. And I can only imagine what it would be like. We've had glimpses of a Holy Spirit-filled atmosphere. For those of you who are super sensitive, you probably have it all the time. For those of you who are pressing in, you probably have it all the time. But we've had glimpses of God's glory. We haven't had God's glory, but we've had glimpses of it. His presence fell in that room and changed everything. Forever. The church went from 12 to 120 in one moment because they were excited and expectant. Nothing was organized. It was God. And as they spilled out onto the street on the day of Pentecost, into the people, the festival, you can imagine, it's probably like a town fair, something that we would have here, thousands of people gathering and celebrating. And they spilled out and you can imagine the Holy Spirit atmosphere that filled that street. The kind of atmosphere James spoke about in his message, where crutches are left on the ground, where wheelchairs are left on the ground, where people are undone. And as they spilled out onto the street, Peter grew bold, and he said, man, I'm going to speak at this festival. I'm going to share the goodness of God. I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to share the revelation that Jesus Christ is our Lord, our Savior, and our Deliverer. So 120 people flooding the street. Peter makes his way to a position where he can preach. And he just shares the gospel. He didn't come with notes. He hadn't spent weeks preparing for it. He'd spent 18 months with Jesus Christ. Just with Jesus. Just him and Jesus and the other 11 disciples. He had the Word of God and he had the Holy Spirit. And that's all he needed. There were no lights. There was no media. There could have been a band, but it wasn't for him. It was just Peter and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. That's the beginning of the early church. And when he shared the gospel, when he shared the goodness of Jesus Christ, the people that were there, the Jewish people who had had a part, had played a part in having him sacrificed, an innocent man, the fear of God came over them and they repented. They asked him, what can we do, Lord? You see, their hearts broke immediately. They were in the presence of the Holy Spirit. They began to repent immediately. Their hearts were undone. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit is in the atmosphere. That's what happens when we repent. Do you know that repentance is at the beginning of every revival? 
And that's what's been on my heart is repentance. At the beginning of every revival, repentance begins. At the beginning of those 3,000 people being saved, repentance. A complete reversal of attitude. Walking away from sin and towards God. And a move of God hit that place and 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. Now we hear that and we read it and we think of 3,000 people giving their lives like it's just part of the story. But imagine 3,000 people in our car park, in our street, pouring out of this church, repenting, laying it all down, laying themselves bare, being vulnerable. Holy Spirit all over them undoing them. And their lives are transformed in a second and they become believers in Jesus Christ and they become the beginning of the early church. That's what happens when we get out of the way. That's what happens when there's no distraction. That's what happens when there's the, the gospel and there's the power of the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who are saved, we know that. We gave our hearts to Jesus. Most of us had a radical change. We repented and we had a reversal of attitude immediately. They had it right in the early church. I believe that there's a pull, a drawer in this world today back to the early church. Back to a place without distraction. You know, I remember hearing John Hagee preach once and, uh, and he said this one line where he, he said, you want to draw in more people from the world, be more like the world. But that's not what God wants. I'm not against technology, I'm not against the band we have, the electronics, I'm not against programs, I'm not against any of that stuff. The modern day church does a great job. This church does an amazing job to position itself to have God move. But I'm telling you now, it's not enough. There's more. We are distracted by running the lights, by running the media, we're distracted by structure. We're distracted by four songs and a message. People throughout the world now arrive at church, and I'm not talking about everyone, but there are people who arrive at church with very little expectancy and very little uh, motivation to contribute. It's like a Sunday dinner. We come in and the services are more soothing than they are transforming. You know, we're supposed to come in in our work boots, not our slippers. It's good because it's true. I'm not saying wipe out what we've got, but I will tell you this. This leadership team is feeling that pull, is feeling that draw. We're aware of it. We're aware that God should be in control. We're not saying he's not. But our heart is that God should be in control. Our pastor's heart is that God should be in control of everything that we do. Because it's not the flashing lights that brings people to Jesus. It's not shrinking down the seats. Online stuff is great, but it's not that. It's the people of a church 
being in a constant state of repentance, a const realizing that we're in a constant state of brokenness. None of us are perfect. If we were, we wouldn't need Jesus. Isn't that right? It's allowing the Holy Spirit to flow. It's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's fellowship. You know the early church, those people, they met together, they worshipped just like we do, they shared the word and they chewed it over. In other words, they learnt it thoroughly. They prayed together. They moved together. They were a family on a mission all the time. They weren't limited to the walls of a building. They weren't limited to the walls of a property. The local church, we can see it in the book of Acts, churches like Antioch, Philippi, they were the local church. Their job was not to stay in the church. Their job was to get outside of the church and grow the kingdom of heaven on earth. And it happened by the fear of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Because those two come together. When you fear God and you repent, and you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive comfort. Fear without God is terror. If you're not right with God, then the fear of God is terrifying. If you're right with God and you receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit, then it's reverence, it's awe. Because it's like your father, it's a relationship with a father that you respect ultimately, spirit to spirit. I believe that God is, he's expecting more from us. That's not to put people down. We're all doing the best that we can. And we're doing it in a world that is very different to what the early church was in. But I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you the tip. When the disciples showed up in a city, they showed up in a city where sometimes they'd be put in jail or murdered for preaching the gospel for believing in Jesus Christ. Paul, before he got saved, was a man that went around and murdered Christians, bound them and took them back to his superiors. We're not living in amongst that. It's more subtle than that. God has convinced the world that we don't need him. Oh, sorry. Sorry. The enemy has convinced the world that we don't need God. He's convinced us that we can do everything in our own strength. That's why we come in apathetic sometimes. That's why we come in without expectancy because we're busy trying to make our lives right on our own sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to humble ourselves and simply repent and ask God to fill the gap. Everybody in this room, all of the faithful believers throughout this nation and throughout this world have a responsibility to be the glorious church. We have a responsibility to be more than churchgoers. And I know I'm speaking to a room full of people who are impacting this community. If we weren't, we wouldn't still be here. God is honoring what you do. But it's time for us not to do it in our own power. It's time for us to do it guided by the Holy Spirit. Honestly, doors will open. The dreams that you have in your heart, the things that you're hoping for, 
I want the power of God and I want more of the power of God. Not just for me. I want it for you. I want it for my work friends. I want it for my friends, for my family. I want it for every person that has lost hope in this world. I don't want to hear about any more anxiety or depression. I want the Holy Spirit to come in and heal every heart. I want the desire of God's heart. I want the desire of my heart to be the desire of God's heart. such a significant time for us. I want our Sundays to be full of celebration because we've just come in from the, work, from the fields. We've been diligently working away and we come here to celebrate with each other like a family. I don't want to draw people in from the world because we've got a fantastic music team or there's someone preaching a word that is hilariously funny like my brother. Do come for my brother's message today. He's very good. Do you know during the, uh, I think it was the Welsh revival, that people were falling under the Spirit of God on the street and running to the police station because they didn't know what was happening to them. That's what I want to see. That's what God wants to see. A nation that is so sold out for God, a nation whose heart is repentant so that His Spirit can splash down on the Carpety Coast and people can be overwhelmed by His Spirit. Falling on the street, broken and undone, repenting. Having a reversal of attitude and turning towards God. That's what I'd like to see. That's what the church is meant to be. The church rapidly multiplied in the early church. 12, 120, 3,000. The Christian church, the name of Jesus Christ, is the most famous name in the world ever. It's up there with the sun and the moon. 2,000 years later, a man who spent three years on this earth ministering, 33 years in total. You can't tell me he did that because he was a charismatic speaker. You can't tell me that people were impacted just because he was a charismatic speaker. He was powered by the Spirit of God. And his name still stands today in every nation, every person. And we represent that. You know, throughout the Bible, a lot God says, for my name's sake, for my name's sake. We are ambassadors for Christ. We represent God here on this earth. If I was to close my eyes now and think of Rewa, I would see Rewa's face, but I would feel her personality. I would think Rewa, beautiful, sensitive, smart, creative, all those things. When people look at you and they hear that you're a a child of God, they see God. We represent him here on this earth. How big a deal is that? So man, I, I, um, I don't have a title or a theme. But <laughs> if there was a theme, it would be to let go of control, to open our borders, to do everything we do with an open hand, to be a church that gives into our community and connects with other churches. You know, this morning we had our brother, Pastor Mike, on the stage playing bass for us. Sent him one text. Yes, brother, that's the, that's the way we do it in the kingdom. I'll be there. 
We should be open-handed with our people, with our resources, with our programs, with everything that we have to further the kingdom of God. You know God's a God of multiplication. I don't want to sow, sow control. I don't want to sow management. Because he will multiply it. If we sow freedom and generosity, he'll multiply that. If we sow into our community, into other churches, he'll multiply that. I want to feel the freedom that we feel during worship. That's what you should feel in a family. If you're in a family where it's just managed and pressed down, and I'm talking about right throughout the world, it's suffocating. It's hard to be you in that family. I just want to sow good, 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 uh, good seed for God in every way. And I want to see this world explode, and I want to see all Christians come together and connect see the power of God move them move us sometimes repentance is not easy because we have plans because I had a plan to preach a message this morning and it was on Peter's vision and the Gentiles Sometimes we've just got to listen to God and go with God. And so this morning we're going to have an opportunity to repent. The timing has to be right for you. I'm not trying to make you do this. But I am trying to encourage us that you can't hide anything from God. If you think you've hidden something in a chamber of your heart, you can't hide it from God. And those things may be the little things that are holding us back from growth with God, from growth in our walk. The little things that are holding us back for being those people that lay hands on people and see miracle healings occur might be holding us back. So this morning we're going to we're going to pray together up here. And if you decide that you want to come to the front and get prayer, it can be for anything. It can be for healing. If you're a first-time visitor here or if you've been a few times and you want to give your heart to Jesus, we'll do that too. But if, just, if you just want to lay some things on the altar with your family and amongst your family, with people who love you. This leadership team loves you. Your pastor loves you. She hasn't spent 35 years here because it's so much fun. It is fun sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> Those are the naughty ones laughing. <laughs> I just want to let you know that this is a place where you can be free, where you can be vulnerable, where you can lay it all on the ground for God. And we just want to pray with you and agree with you. You may not even know what you need to repent from.
But let me say this. We're all born with a sin nature. You're not the Lone Ranger. We're all the same. And so we're just going to play. And if you feel to come to the front, come to the front. If you want to do it in your seat, do it in your seat. But if you want people to get alongside you who love you, to agree with you, to just give some stuff up, then please feel free to come up the front. Either way, I want you to, in your head, imagine that you are in the upper room right now. That this is the beginning of the church. That the Holy Spirit is here and he's about to move. That this is a holy sanctuary set apart for this moment. No distraction. If you don't have anything to lay down, just lay down some prayer for someone else. Just stay in your seat, pop your hand out, and just believe with other people. But I'm telling you, if God burnt repentance onto my heart and then took away the message I was meant to preach, there's something going on. Repentance is important. So we have the rest of the band up on stage, please. If you just want to worship, worship. Find God in that. 